This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. Take out your notes that you receive when you walk in. How many played The Price is Right? Watch The Price is Right. Okay. Question. How many friends does the average American have? How many friends does the average American have? Bob McGee, come on down. No, just kidding. Give me a number. Not enough. Not enough. Give me, pick one number. Pick a number. A thousand friends. Oh, my goodness. That's very, that's, that's a lot of friends. I want to, am I one of your friends? That's, yeah. How many friends does the average American have? Cheryl, what do you think? Give me a number. Okay. 25? All right, 25. How many friends? Oh, Marianne said two. Two friends. Two friends. Two friends. Teresa, how many friends does the average American have? Ten. Ten friends. All right. Miss Deb, what do you think? How many friends? Seven. That's a good God number. If you're in church and you need to pick a number, pick the number seven. That's, that's good. That's, I, yeah. One scientific study said 16. The average adult American has 16 friends. Okay? Three of them are friends for life. Okay, so the 16, they break down a little bit. Three of your friends are friends for life. Maybe you say, yeah, I, I got like three. I've had those friends for life. Okay? Five people they really like and would hang out with one-on-one. And then eight people that they like, but they really don't want to hang out with them. I don't know if that qualifies as friends. You know? You know? But yeah, this is, you know, a lot of us have around 16. One study said the average American only has one friend. The average American adult really only has one friend. I think that's a lie. I am part of a social media platform Number one, it's social, so that means friends. And two, it's media, so it has to be true. And they said, I have 499 friends. Ha! But what if that one study's right? What if the average American, you and I, maybe really only have one good, true friend. How sad would that be? The book that many of you carried in this morning, the book that's in the seats in front of you, the book that we quote, is it not in essence a book about friendship? From beginning to end, is it not about friendship? In the beginning, God who exists in perfect friendship. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And what does he do? He creates space so that he can have what? Friends. And he walks with his friends and he shares his creation with his friends. But what happens? Apparently, humanity, we're not good friends, are we? Because right from the get-go, we stab him in the back. We walk out on him. 
We abandon him. We leave him. And the rest of the story is God working to restore friendship with us. Right? Until Jesus comes and models for us and makes reconciliation possible. Us with God, us with one another. Until you get to the end of the book, the very end of the book. And what's the closing image of the book? Jesus gathered around his table having dinner with who? All of his, his friends. Isn't the Bible all about friendship? So why is it we're so bad with friendship? There's one whole book in the Bible, the book of Proverbs. How many of you are familiar with that book? That's a great to go-to book when the sermon preaching is lame and you just don't want to look like you're in your Bible paying attention. So you just, you find the book of Proverbs, there's great little nuggets in there. So much of it has to do with friendship. Here's an example. Proverbs 13, whoever walks with the wise, whoever's friends with wise people becomes wise, but the friend of fools will suffer. How many of you can testify that? Bad friends, bad stuff, man. Good friends, good stuff. Another place in Proverbs, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. G.K. Chesterton said, the enemy will stab you in the back. A good friend stabs you in the front. How many of you experienced that before? A friend has sat you down. We need to talk. You're dumb. You need to get your act together. How many of you have experienced that? A friend has said, hey, we need some time. Yeah. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Here's another passage. One who is righteous is a guide to his friend. The way of the wicked leads people astray. Yeah, it says a lot about friends. Parents, you understand the importance of knowing who your kids' friends are, right? Please tell me you know who they're hanging out with. I'm like, well, they're in the nursery right now, so I hope it's good. <laughs> they're in the blasting zone. Should I be worried? But, right, you, you know their friends. You check their phones. You look at their feeds. You're mindful and that doesn't change, except that as our kids grow older, sometimes older parents, we have to watch the ripples as our kids maybe choose lesser friends. We understand the importance of friends. So why the friendship talk? Paul, we're leading up to Easter. We're learning about being a good and faithful servant. We've talked about Jesus. We've talked about Paul. We've been working through the book of Philippians. We're all about doing uh, that which pleases our God. Be good, faithful servants. Why the sidetrack and talk about friendship this morning? Well, I don't think it's a sidetrack. Because I don't think that we can do what Jesus asks us to do without learning how to grow within the context of intimate gospel friendship. What Jesus is asking of us is so intense and so great, it calls for good Christian friendship. In your notes, right from the get-go, let's write something down together. If you're watching online, your hosts will help you find message guides. Uh, if you are here live, you can, you, when you came in the door inside, there's a message guide to fill some things out. Last week, I waited until the very end to give you fill-ins, and it really messed some of you up. Like, you were so stressed the entire message. Like, holy cow, we're going to be here until midnight. I'll give you a fill-in right now just so you can write something down. I know you type A's. You like to 
Just do it. So here's one. Ready? Good and faithful servants thrive from gospel friendships. Good and faithful servants, they thrive from gospel friendships. Would you write that down with me today? One main reason, simply, is this. We're designed to be in close relationship one with another, right? It's how we're made. God says, it's not good for you guys to be by yourself. I'm going to create you to need one another. I have eyes in the front of my head. I can't see what's going on behind me. I need someone else to know what's going around in my surroundings. I'm designed, I'm built to need others. I'm, I'm built lacking certain things. So it's just part of the design of how God, God made things. He made us to need one another. The demands of discipleship are far too great to carry them by yourself. What is God's challenge to you? Become like Jesus. I know me. That's, I can't do that by myself. I need other people to help me do that. The demands of discipleship are just too great to assume that I can do it by myself. Further, the enemy is too smart and cunning for me to confront him alone. The enemy that we face and that we battle is far too smart and far too cunning for me to walk into that ring by myself. Oh, but good and faithful servants, we can thrive with good gospel friendships. Let me read a passage for you. This is from Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. I'd write it down and come back to it, maybe in the later part of the day or throughout the course of the week, if this is a message that resonates with you. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says this. Two are better than one. They have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. There's not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two can withstand him. Oh, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Oh, if they fall, one will lift him up. How many of you have ever experienced that? You have fallen. Whatever it is, the world has kicked you. You tripped yourself. You fell down, and a friend picked you up. A brother or sister picked you up. And I was in a, a dark moment. I, I thought that I was, our family was going to be moving to uh, just outside of Philadelphia. We were getting a call to a church there. Um, beautiful area. Exciting young church. This is seven years ago. And I'd gone through the interview process. Made the top 20. Made the top 10. Made the top three. Made the top two. All while living in my father-in-law's basement. I want this job. <laughs> Looks like a great gospel opportunity. Fits, gifting, fits, the whole nine yards. Call me up. Yeah, we went with the other guy. God bless. Oh, it was like a punch in the gut. My brother-in-law, who's also a good brother in the Lord. He's Lutheran, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> hey, why don't you meet me over at Bootleggers and we'll 
go grab some jalapeno poppers. Like, I don't want to go out. I just, like, no, no, no. Meet me at the restaurant around the corner. And so he and I sat shoulder to shoulder. He ate jalapeno poppers. When one of us falls, you have a friend that can pick you up. That same year, I'm I'm just in a dark place. I'm melancholy to begin with. Those of you who know me, like, I'm not fun to be around, okay? You know that. We know that. And we're okay with that. Um, My birthday rolls around. Another brother in Christ, he's a deacon at a local church that we were visiting. This is in Erie, uh, living in my father-in-law's basement. Thank you, Don, if you're watching, if you're letting me live in your basement. I'm not dissing that. I'm just saying I was living in your basement. Um, He says, hey, it's your birthday coming up. Can I take you out for your birthday? We'll go to Smoky Bones. I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah. So my brother took me out, just in a dark place. He just checked hanging out with me, being with me. I was down. I was low. He picked me up. And my father passed away, a dear man in my life. Miss him every day. I miss him every day. Uh, my childhood friend, his name's Chris, grew up together, hung out at each other's house. Childhood friend. We hadn't talked in years. He came to the funeral. He handed out programs. Can I do anything to help? He asked me. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is what friends do. His mom just passed away last week. I called him. We hadn't spoken since my dad's funeral. Just life, you go separate ways. You do separate things. That's okay. I called him. He picked it up on the first ring. Hey, buddy. I'm like, hey, you doing okay? Why? Because one of us falls, a friend will pick each other up. How many of you experienced that? what it means to have good friends when you fall. But then he says, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Okay? So if you think of a good, strong rope, it's not just one strand, is it? It's, 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 it's three cords intertwined, wrapped, and bashed together, so it's strong. It's referring to the fact that when God dwells in the relationship, one with a friend, one with a spouse, whatever it might be, when God dwells there, oh, you can't break that. When two friends are bound together with the gospel, oh, oh, the world cannot pull that apart. The world cannot pull that apart. The Apostle Paul was able to do what he did because he had good friends. Some of us have this misunderstood, misinformed perspective of the Apostle Paul, like he's some Middle Eastern Johnny Appleseed, kind of dancing through the Middle East, just sprinkling church plants wherever he goes, right? Like all by himself. Here I'm Johnny Appleseed, planting churches with a little hat. That's not the Apostle Paul at all. If you fly at 30,000 feet and you look down at Paul's life, he saturated himself with close, dear friends people he wrote letters with, people that visited him when he was in prison, people that helped plant churches with him, people that wrote with him, uh, would go and minister for him and through him and to him. Men like Barnabas and Luke and Silas, Apollos, Titus. These are names you might recognize. Women like Prisca and Junia, Phoebe. Some of you are familiar with the letter to the Romans in the New Testament, Book of Romans. You guys recognize that book? It's a big one, isn't it? Like you do not, if the preaching is lame, you don't go, hey, I'm going to go read Romans right now. It'll knock you right out. It's hard reading. It's a big theological treatise. It might be, some consider like the greatest thing that the Apostle Paul ever wrote. He wrote that in relationship with others. 
Then he called his good friend Phoebe. He says, hey, Phoebe ran a church out of her house. She led a church in her house. Phoebe, will you please deliver this to the church in Rome? I want to go visit them. Phoebe took this letter, probably memorized the letter, and was the first one to preach the letter to the churches that met in Rome. Paul had a team of friends around him. And today we're going to look at two of them. Timothy and Epaphroditus. Say Epaphroditus. Say it again, Epaphroditus. I know it's not like some of our fun American names. It's like, Bob's a great name. It's a whole lot easier to say it's a good guy right there. Bob's a good guy. It's not Epaphroditus. Okay, Epaphroditus and Timothy. Let me ask you, are you a good friend? Are you a gospel friend? Do you have gospel friends? What is, biblically speaking, a gospel friend? Is it possible that some of the trials and tribulations that you are enduring, some of the hardship that you're carrying, you're experiencing because you lack gospel friendship? How to be, how to receive. It says in Proverbs, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. So let's drill down in a section in Philippians together. Take out your Bible, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, and I want to read some verses for you. That was just the introduction. <laughs> no, this would be good. It's going to go real fast. Ready? Philippians chapter 2, 19 through 29. The Apostle Paul is going to pull back from what he's been talking about in this book to highlight two friends. Two friends of his. Philippians chapter 2. The verses will be up. Oh, there they are. Nick's not messing around. Go, Nick. You are one of my friends. You can follow along this way. The Bibles. There's Bibles in the seats in front of you. Philippians 2, 19 through 29. I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. They seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker, fellow soldier, your messenger, minister to my need, He's been longing, verse 26. He's been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him. Not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I'm the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. Right in the middle of Paul's letter, he busts out in this bio about two ministry friends. Timothy, who served with Paul much of Paul's, much of Paul's ministry, much of Paul's time sharing the gospel. Timothy was there in, much, in, in big capacities. Epaphroditus, someone who was sent from the church in Philippi to minister to Paul because they found out that Paul was in prison. Okay? And so that's why Epaphroditus is there. So with these two uh, friends of Paul's in mind, I want to give you five words about friendship. 
Five words about friendship. Now, here's the important part, okay? This is not intended to be your checklist for everybody else in your life. I don't want you to take these five words and then walk around and like, unfriend. Unfriend. This is not how you are to filter your friends. This is how you are to filter you. These five words you subject yourself to. Am I these five things? The world flips it. What can you get from your friends? The gospel says, how can you give friendship to people who are alone? Okay? Okay? Okay. The first one, the importance of unity, considering others more important than themselves. These are the qualities that make it possible. The first one is this, kindness. Kindness. Write down kindness with me. I care without condition. I care for you without conditions. I'm kind. Meaning, I don't have an agenda. There's genuine affection. In verse 20, Timothy talked about genuinely concerned for the church's welfare. The Apostle Paul cares for Epaphroditus because he's sick. Epaphroditus is longing to go back to the church that sent him. Verse 29, you see that Paul is going to send Epaphroditus back. Now, in the Roman prison, they don't have gyms and flat screen TVs, and they don't have you know, library cards, and they don't have concierge services, and they don't have any. I mean, it's, you're locked up. It's up to family to bring you food. It's up to friends to bring you food, to bring you a change of clothes. If you want bedding, they're going to bring you bedding. Rome don't care about you. So when they find out that Paul's in prison, this church, they're like, hey, we need someone to go. We're going to collect an offering. We're going to send this person with money. So Epaphroditus is selected for his faithfulness, for his kindness, for who he is. And he goes to Rome and is this go-between for Paul so that Paul can eat, so that Paul has what Paul needs to serve Paul in every capacity possible. But Epaphroditus either gets very sick on the way or gets sick while in Rome, almost to the point of death. Now, Paul needs help. But Paul says, you know, what's best for you? might not be best for me, but what's best for you? You need to go back home. That's what's best for you. In Paul's mind, Epaphroditus wasn't a tool to be used and then set aside. Are you kind? We don't talk about kindness very much, do we? It's not something that comes up as, you know, the great American virtue. Kindness. Are we? We, we, we don't really value Kindness. Jesus values kindness. Are you kind? Would your friends say that you care without condition? Or do they just hear from you when they need something? Or they just think, excuse me. Second word, intimacy. Intimacy. You know me. You know Know me. Remember, this is what about what I am. This is about what I'm doing. This is about me sharing me, not you sharing you with me. Am I intimate? 
with others in that they know my story. They know what's happened in my life. They know my failures. They know my shortcomings. They know my scars. They've been a part of bounding up some of my wounds. In the second chapter of 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul said, we didn't just preach the gospel to you. We shared our lives as well. So I thought that was a beautiful passage. Paul said, I was here sharing the gospel. We ate together. We cried together. We served together. We, we patched walls together. We, we, we shopped together. We did life together. You know me. Timothy, the one person that he's talking about in the first part, uh, Timothy was picked up early in the Apostle Paul's ministry, a second missions trip. As the Apostle Paul is going from city to city, region to region in the Mediterranean, uh, he bumps into this young man named Timothy. And immediately, uh, whether prompted by the Holy Spirit or just camaraderie, the Apostle Paul says, hey, come on. Come with me. Come on this journey. Jesus is changing the world. Let's do it together. This wasn't just one of those, hey, let's do coffee once a month. It was like, no, let's go on the trip together. Let's get shipwrecked together. Let's be hunted by the Romans together. Uh, let's survive together. They wrote letters. If you go to the beginning of Philippians, it says, from the Apostle Paul and Timothy. This is a close ministry partner, an entrusted ministry partner. Timothy knew Paul's life. Paul knew Timothy's life. He says, I have no one like him. He is my son, and I am to him a father. Paul, in this passage, is ministering and trying to minister to Epaphroditus through his sickness. I thought that might be fun to poke around a little bit. Who knows your sicknesses? Who knows your wounds? Who knows where you're broken? Who knows your fears? Friends know those things. Friends share those things. Friends initiate that conversation. Say, hey, um, can I share something that God has done in my life? Can I share something that maybe God's prompting me to do in my life? Can I share something with you? There's intimacy initiated. Gospel friends initiate that level of intimacy and say, hey, this is where I'm sick. This is where I'm losing sleep. This is what's messing me up. Gospel friends don't hide anything. Now, please, do not go on Facebook when you get back <laughs> and vomit every single everything you can possibly think of because Pastor Paul said so, okay? Do not, do not cast your pearls before swine, okay? That's what that means. It means do not take something that's precious to you and throw it out there for no one who cares, doesn't care. But do you have, when those that you consider your friends, have you sat down and had, hey, can I tell you about this? Here's something that hurts. And I don't want to carry it by myself anymore. I've done that. Intimacy. Jesus helps us with this. In John 15, he says, No longer do I call you servants, Servant doesn't know what the master is doing. I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I made known to you. Jesus, what I am, I've told you. Where I've been, I've told you. If unity is going to grow within our fellowship, 
then friendship has to grow within our fellowship. And that means each other saying, this is me. You know me. Who knows you? Who knows you? Are you content to do this? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Uh -uh. I get it. I get it. I'm not good at it. I don't set you a good example. I don't want anyone to know my stuff. I am not a good friend. I am not affectionate that way. I am not, I am not big on intimacy. That I don't do those things. You know that. I know that. So yes, this is what hypocrisy looks like. Because <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? It's hard. And if my wife were here, she'd be like, amen. Those of you who have been a little bit closer to my journey, you know. Who knows me? Another word, faithfulness. Faithfulness. I am there for you. Some of you are really good at this. I am there for you. You are faithful. We shouldn't be surprised that this is on the list. This is what we're talking about. Being good and faithful servants means being a good and faithful friend. If you look at how the Apostle Paul describes Epaphroditus in this passage, he says, my fellow brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, your messenger, minister to me. He says, despite sickness, despite all that Epaphroditus was going through, he was not going to abandon Paul to prison. He was going to make the trip. He was going to be present. He was going to care for. Epaphroditus was faithful. For the Apostle Paul to be faithful to Epaphroditus meant sending him back. Timothy, able to do what he was doing because Timothy had proved himself faithful. Servants are faithful to their master. Jesus was faithful to God. The Apostle Paul, faithful in all of his ministry. When we got to hear from uh, Teo a few weeks ago, man is faithful, his family is faithful to the calling, that I am there for you. That means that when my brothers and sisters are gathering, I am there. I'm there for you. When I'm scheduled to serve, I'm there for you. When my life group meets, I'm there for you. When you falter and fail, I'm there for you. Not a fair weather friend. Do you know what a fair weather friend is? I'm there if there's nothing else that's going on. Yeah, I will gather with my brothers and sisters if I don't have something else to do. I will serve as long as nothing else comes up. I'll support and, 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 and meet with my life group, as long as nothing else competes with it. I'll support you. I support you. It's just I got this thing. I got something else I got to do. The gospel isn't fair weather, is it? The gospel presses into the storm. The gospel draws close. Friendship should reflect that then. Are you faithful Are you faithful? Well, the other side of the coin is trust. Trust. 
Faithfulness, I am there for you. Trust, I know you're there for me. Trust, I know that you're there for me. And you can see how these feed off of each other and go hand in hand together. In verse 23, he said of Timothy, I hope to send Timothy to you as soon as I know how things are going with me. I trust him. Timothy has proven his worth to me. Paul would serve in an area. Uh, let's say he moved into Lystra or Derby or Philippi, wherever it might be. Uh, first time bringing the gospel to this space, people who'd never heard the gospel. And Paul would stay there. Maybe it's a month. Maybe it's three months. Maybe it's three years. But then Paul would sense the Spirit's prompting, and he would move on. But what Paul would do is he would entrust that church's care to one of his ministry partners, one of his friends. Oftentimes it would be Timothy, Titus, Silas, Junia. I mean, there's a whole list of his friends. Well, there's Phoebe. We're talking about Phoebe. Hey, here's the letter to the Romans. You deliver this. Here's the greatest theological treatise I could ever bring to the table. Here's the greatest thing that I could offer. Phoebe, my friend, would you please take this to Rome and preach it to the churches? Paul saying, I know that you're there for me. I know that you're there for me. Trust is tricky. How many of you have gotten hurt before? Have you been hurt? None of you. You guys, this is awesome. None of you have ever been hurt by others. We'll try again. It's okay. How many of you have been hurt by someone? Yeah. Doesn't it make trust difficult? Doesn't it make trust difficult? Why do we do this, though? One person will hurt us, and we'll punish everybody else for it. Meaning, because he broke my trust... I don't trust you. Does that make sense? I have trust issues because of what that person did. I get that. If this person did that, then, then we need to have a conversation. We need to talk. We need to like, hey, dude, not cool. Like, it's not Deb. Deb just happens to be over here where my hands are, okay? <laughs> Deb's a good friend. If I had hair, I'd let her cut it. Be like, hey, you hurt me, but why would I punish everybody else because of what that one person did? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Because I bump into this in counseling and care. You'll come to me and say, I have trust issues. I'm like, yeah, like the Apostle Paul, uh, he and his, one of his closest friends, Barnabas, they split ways. Because John Mark, one of his friends, let him down. And Paul's like, I don't want anything to do with that. Get him out of here. I don't want anything to do with that. Paul did not punish everybody else because of what John Mark had done. And even in the end, you read some of Paul's later letters, he'll say, hey, send John Mark back to me. I miss him. He is good for, with me in the gospel. Trust, I'm not saying trust isn't hard. I'm just saying, Jesus didn't hang out, hold out on you, did he? Look what you did to him. Look what I did to him. He says, I call you friends. Some of us are really good at faithfulness. We are there. Some of us struggle with trust. I know that you're there for me. Do you trust your friends? Do you trust your friends? Maybe it's an area where you need to grow. The fifth word, gospel. Gospel. We serve together in the gospel. 
That's what he said to Timothy. Hey, Timothy, we serve together in the gospel. Epaphroditus, my fellow worker in the gospel. We want to be gospel friends. Not friends because we drink together. Not friends because we go to the same football game together. Not friends because we like to listen to the same music together. Not friends because we work on the same line at the factory together. We're friends because we share the gospel together. Because of what Jesus has done, we live that out. In today's culture, everything is about the goal of a sexual relationship, right? That's like the highest good. That's what's celebrated. Experiencing that type of intimacy with another person. That's the highest quality. And that's what we let define who and what we are. Our sexuality. Who I want to be with. Gospel friends want the kingdom to saturate everything and who and what we are. We serve together. We serve with others. We talk about the kingdom. It means we practice forgiveness. Gospel friends practice forgiveness, okay? Yes, they hurt you. It's time to move forward, okay? That's just what the gospel does. I'm telling you now. And you know who that's for. We practice confession, Confession. Confess your sins one to another that you might be healed. My Catholic brothers and sisters got this right. They're good at it. They understand it. They've been teaching me. The ability to walk into someone else's life and let them walk in your life and say, hey, I really screwed up this week. Will you pray for me? Will you remind me that I'm forgiven? Will you walk through me in my restoration? That's what gospel friends are for. Holding me accountable. Okay. So I've been doing this thing for Lent where I kind of gave up a couple of things that I really like. They're not sinful things. They're not sinful. I just really like them. They're really good. Tastes good too. Um, and I brought a friend along with me. I says, hey, I'm like not going to eat this thing and I really like to eat this thing and it tastes really good and I really like it a lot. So will you help me not eat this thing when I want to eat this thing? He's like, yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. And by God's grace, I haven't. I've gotten real close. I sent him a picture. I'm like, oh, look, I'm eating that instead of a donut. Okay? And he's like, way to go, buddy. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. We practice confession. We practice what? We practice restoration, and we practice confrontation, and we practice discipline. Hey, dude, I haven't seen you in church for a while. What, what's your deal? Like, what's your deal? That's what we do. Hey, man, are you reading your Bible? Because that's what we do. Dude, we don't talk like that. Dude, we don't act like that. We follow Jesus. That's what we do. Where you been? And we receive that because we're, we're gospel friends. Do you saturate your conversations and your actions with the gospel? That's what a gospel friend does. All right, so where do we start? You got your five words, right? Okay, confession. I'm not good at this. I'm not. I am terrible at this couple reasons. One of them is just God has made me to thrive on a small circle of friendship. So we're all designed different ways. Some of us, 10 friends aren't enough. 20 friends aren't enough. You 100 friends. You walk in a complete stranger. Buddy, you're my best friend. And you're like that. And that's awesome. I love that about you. I'm not that way. Some of you are. People like me love people like you. Unless you do it to us, and that freaks us out. <laughs> okay? Like, Space, man, like, pace it out, dude. Like, 
time, time. I need time, time. I'm just, my circle is small. My circle is small. Two, three friends. And uh, it's, it's my habit. It's my habit emotionally and from a personality person just to go real deep with those two or three people. It's also why if I ever lose someone from that circle, it, it's, it's a train wreck for me emotionally because there's so much invested in those couple relationships. So I confess, I am weak at this. What would be helpful for me is if you guys would start modeling for me what, what gospel friendships look like. Will you do that for me, please? Yeah. Will you do that for me, please? And then I can grow, and then you get to have a better pastor. How about that? So if you guys would do the work, <laughs> and I could get all the benefit, it'll be better off for you. Take out that list of five. Pick one. The one that you don't want to look at right now, that's the one. The one that you don't want to pick, that's the one. Okay, look at the five. Which one are you weakest at? Don't scowl at me, Deb. This is not me. This is... <laughs> pick, pick one, okay? Just one. Just, I want you to pick one. Maybe it's faithfulness or it's intimacy, kindness, trust, gospel. It's just whatever one, the Holy Spirit's kind of giving you this little glimmer factor. Like, hey, what if we kind of dove down into this one right now? Okay, let's say kindness. I care without condition. That means uh, you're going to start focusing on your speech. You're going to start sending out cards. You're going to ding-dong ditch people. You're going you're gonna to model kindness. Okay, you're going to do things that are kind. And I would encourage you to start with how you talk. Empower a friend to call you out when you go mean girl, okay? Okay, or mean boy. Boys can do it too, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, okay, kindness. Maybe, maybe it's intimacy. Maybe some of you, we're not going to raise our hands because that's like the last thing that, so I said, I'm not doing intimacy. Or raise your hand and tell us who struggles with that. Um, intimacy, you know me, okay? That means pick one of your friends and maybe share just a little bit of your story. Just a little bit. It doesn't have to be huge. Okay, if you're like baby step, start with your Kroger list. Okay? <laughs> it's just like, hey, I just, maybe we could get together for coffee. I just want to show you my click list. That's, that's just if start there and work your way up. But what you are developing is a habit of intimacy. I want you to know me. That's hard. But do that, okay? It doesn't have to be huge. Here, this is how I came to Christ. Or, um, <laughs> don't call up your friend to talk about your spouse. That's the opposite of intimacy. <laughs> Share about you. Maybe you circled faithfulness, okay? Meaning, I am there for you. Call someone up. Ask them, how can I help you? This week, what's going on? Like, how can I help you? I know you have a lot. You know, Easter's coming up, or things, kids at school, or at soccer season, or I know there was a tough medical report, or whatever it might be. How can I help you? Ask them. And then deliver. Deliver on it. Practice faithfulness. Show up. Maybe, maybe have a quiet moment with the Spirit. This afternoon, God, who is someone in my church fellowship, my family, who needs help? Name comes up, call them up. How can I help you? What can I do for you? This happens to me all the time. It happens to me all the time. 
Um, I'll be driving. I'll be reading and praying. Name pops in my head. And I'll just shoot him a text. Hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, how are you? What oftentimes will happen is, hey, dude, I don't know how that happened. When you sent me that text, I was right in the middle of. Thank you. Thank you. Grow in faithfulness. Now, what's the opposite of faithfulness? If faithfulness is how can I help you, trust means, hey, this is how you can help me. How many of you are good at asking for help? Oh, your heads went down. <laughs> asking for help. That's what builds trust, right? Hey, I'm going through this. Can you go pick up so-and-so from school? Will you pray for me? I need help. And it's, we don't want to do it. We want to model strength. We want to model pride. And we want to model that we got it together, right? Like, this is why we spend so much time, some of us, picking on our clothes for Sunday. Like, look, I got it together. Like, I ironed. I pressed. This is clean. I've got it together. And now you want me to ask for help? Because I know you need it. Because we're built to need each other. Some of you, this might be a stretch. For some of you, faithfulness is going to be a stretch. Being there. For some of you, trust is going to be a stretch. Asking for help. But stop punishing others because someone hurt you. And then the gospel. Hey, we serve together. Remind yourself of Jesus' love to you in the gospel. Maybe you, know, you think you're a good friend, but you're not a gospel friend. That means you got to start saturating your mind with the message of the gospel. How is Jesus a friend to you? Practicing forgiveness, practicing uh, patience and kindness. Right? So pick one of the five. Just circle one. Did you circle the one that you were supposed to circle? I don't want to circle that one. <laughs> focus there for a month. Let that be your focus for a month. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 3, it says, Let us encourage one another every day while it's called today. So take that one, and every day find a little way that you can practice that, model that. Like, like every day you want me to ask for help? Absolutely. Every day ask for help. And by doing that, you're giving someone else the opportunity to practice faithfulness, aren't you? Yeah. Connect with someone. Share. Give without expectation. Let's do that together. Let's see what happens. So if you guys would do that, it would really help me. Okay? Artist, would you come up, please? I was meeting with a life group earlier this week, just hanging out. It was awesome. I love hanging out with our life groups. And we were talking about um, the aloneness that we're, many of us are experiencing, especially those that are in hospitals, those who are in nursing homes. And someone from our church family lost a son this week to COVID. And how, you know, people, family could not be together because of medical regulations. Someone had said it's sad that people are suffering alone. Right? People are suffering alone. People are dying alone. I says, yeah. And what I told them was, I said, every given Sunday, not any given Sunday, but every given Sunday here, 
people are showing up and they are suffering alone. Oh, this, the masks have really helped some of you out because it can cover up all the pain underneath. Number one, that should never, never be true of a fellowship chasing after the gospel, right? We love because he first loved us. But I know that's not practical. That's not practical. But if anything, it should become our personal mission. On every given Sunday, on any time, and every time any, we gather with anybody, we say to ourselves, I'm a good and faithful servant, Jesus. Help me be a, a gospel friend. We are kind. We share. We're helpful and we ask for help. And we immerse that person in the beautiful message of the gospel. Tear out your notes. Some of you put them away. Tear out your notes. And that little section that's perforated, just kind of tear down that a little bit. We call it a connection card. Just tear it down together. Just, yep, rip, rip. It's almost fun. Ron, good job. Just rip. It feels good. Especially in the message, like, Deb's right. It's a heavy stuff, man. Let's talk about friendship. Punch me in the gut all morning. Just, just tear it out. Feels good. It's like breaking a plate. Rip, 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 rip. Okay? Feel good? Maybe you f have found... Didn't tear, did it? <laughs> a busted. You did good. You did good. You did good, buddy. It's, no, it's, it's awesome. Help me. Would you give me the gift of maybe being a good gospel friend to you and share your word with me? Pastor Paul, it's, it's this. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I don't trust people anymore. Oh, thank you for that. Let me come alongside and just love on you our faithfulness, our intimacy, whatever it might be. Write that word down. That's a great first step. Put that in the basket as it goes by. For those of you who are watching online, maybe type that into the uh, chat bar. And uh, one of our hosts would love to come alongside of you and encourage you. Thank you for sharing your time with us. And we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came, and that's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life, and a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.